In this week's episode of Studiente, we'll be previewing the Milan derby with BT Sport and the Athletics' James Horncastle. We'll be rating and reacting to Inter's Mercato, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Ciao a tutti, sono Robin, è un piacere di esserci qui e ci vediamo presto in campo a San Siro. Sono troppo contento. Benvenuti, bentornati to another week and another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzari, wishing you happy Mercato or happy ending to Mercato. And it has been a happy Mercato for the first time in a long time after three really horrible, two, three really horrible windows. But before we get to all of that, uh, and there's a, you know, we've got quite a week coming up. We've got quite a few weeks coming up. Uh, in the, in terms of important games with uh, Roma in the Coppa Italia, Napoli in the Serie A, Liverpool in the Champions League, but more importantly, AC Milan in the Derby della Madonnina this weekend. But before we get to all of that, let me introduce my panelist. He's the preview writer on Semperinter.com. Welcome, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. Hello, hello, hello. Good to have you. Um, and we're also joined again for the second week in a row. Uh, the uh, He has a YouTube channel called the Uncle Sharma channel. Welcome, Raul. Thank you very much. Second week in a row, more appearances than Stefano Sensi for Inter. <laughs> You've got better physique than him as well, I'd say. <laughs> that's um, not hard. <laughs> no, that's really not hard. Um, and we're also joined by uh, 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 Jake Smalley, who writes a weekly column called Five Things We Learned From Inter on Semperinter.com. Welcome, Mr. Mr. Jake Smalley. Good evening. Can I call myself a regular now? Or? Yeah, you can. You really can. You really, you. really can. Thank you. I think you are. Um, <laughs> and we're joined by a very good friend of the show. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. He holds up the Italian flag and the Serie A really well for The Athletic. And you can see him every week on BT Sport on Golazzo. Uh, cover, we're talking about the Serie A together with James Richardson. Welcome back, Mr. James Horncastle. Pleasure to be back, Nima. Always good to have you. I mean, let's let's start with a da- de- derby. Derby on Sunday, um, when we had you, I mean, when you were on earlier in the season, it was pretty early on, um, and it was after that crazy Mercato and, and everything that happened, you know, Conte leaving and Simon and all that. Things have gone really, really well for Inter since then. Um, won the champ, uh, fin- got through top of the Serie A, got through from the Champions League for the first time in, in, in almost a decade or in a decade. Um, won the Supercoppa against Juve, even though that's a, t- that's a Coppa del Nono. It doesn't matter. We beat Juve. That's the only thing that matters. Um, and now uh, Coppa Italia as well. Uh, a very interesting Mercato. I mean, you know, and, and, if, and on the other side of the Navigli, we have a Milan who didn't buy any, anyone. And they're looking a little bit deflated in terms of the injuries and the air is a little bit gone, gone out of them from where I stand. But it is a derby. So what does Derby logic tell you? <laughs> well, I think this game has become uh, very competitive again over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I think uh, we saw, I think even in Pioli's first one, uh, where Milan got into a 2-0 lead and then lost 4-2. Um, and then obviously at the beginning of last season, uh, Milan beat Inter. And I, I think... You know, in some respects, both of those performances, um, certainly the result last year, uh, was a bit of a surprise, um, given uh, what Inter uh, were doing under Conte. Um, or you know, maybe at that stage, okay, Inter 
uh, beginning of last season were trying to be uh, what they are now under Simone Inzaghi, which is a more attacking, more uh, a team that controls possession in the opposition half. You know that. It, it was the time of the kind of Ericsson experiment as a number 10, two wingers as wingbacks, and uh, the team just kind of wasn't ready for it with Hakimi fresh from Borussia Dortmund and Ericsson not fully conversant in uh, Conte ball, if you want to call it that. Um, but yeah, I, I, so that's a great thing. It's a shame that um, yeah, the recent games because of the pandemic are, are being played in, in, in front of such small crowds because this is this is a game where almost the atmosphere is as important if not more important than the actual football that is is played um you know it's it's great to see the Kudva Sud and the Kudva Nord um take each other on with their choreographies um but uh, yeah I mean uh, I think from from Inter's point of view this season has gone better than expected um in terms of uh you know, th- there was a lot of uncertainty around the club uh last summer um, you know, sort of uh, losing losing Conte was one thing, um, but then losing Hakimi and, and Lukaku was another. At the same time, it was only two players, um, and I think what made this squad special, or what Conte made special about this squad, was that they've got a, a very good uh, spirit about it, uh, a mentality ingrained in them that that would endure. But at the, at the same time, I, I think it was. It was difficult to to predict that it would endure at that time, um, and uh, and also with Allegri coming back at Juventus, you know, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought that would uh, that would make them uh, more competitive than we've seen from from Juventus uh, up until now. Um, with Milan, uh, again, they started the season really, really well. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this was one of the points, I suppose, through. Mid September into October, with Inter was that they they weren't getting results in the big games, um, but yeah, those games were decided by very fine margins. Ultimately, you know, sort of Inter should have won the derby, the reverse reverse fixture. Um, you know, if, if Lautaro kind of converts his penalty, this I think they they were the better side. I think Barella had a, a shot cleared off the line by Fodabalatore. Um and yeah, likewise the Atalanta game. You know, if Di Marco scores a penalty. Um, they win that one, um, and uh, and and the Juventus game. You know that was a, a late equaliser. You know from that kind of penalty, Dumfries Alexandro. So Rigorino, um, il Rigorino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I mean, at the moment, you look at you look at the table, and, and Inter are four points clear with the game in hand. I mean, they could already be um, seven, ten points clear. Um, yeah, I think. What's what's really impressed me um, about Inter? There are a few things. Um, you know, one is is um, how good they are at reacting to circumstances. So, for example, you know, Ericsson and his cardiac arrest. They had a kind of instant answer, which was to move with Um If you look at this, the, the recent news in the transfer window, um, you know, Correa gets injured. Okay, do a deal with Caicedo, someone who Inzaghi knows, and he's yeah, quite happy to play that bench role. Um, and uh, and <laughs> yeah, you can even go back to the appointment of Inzaghi himself. You know, I mean, Inter were trying to do everything possible to retain Conte, uh, keep him. 
Um, you know, he walked and, you know, the morning after Inzaghi had said yes to extending his contract to Lazio, he was at Inter. So, um, yeah, all of those things have have, uh, have worked out really, really well. Uh, and I think Marotta deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I think the the the, the, the system is the same. So yeah, the the, the players kind of um, uh, are comfortable in it, but they're being asked to do different things within it. Um, and I think they're enjoying that. Um, I think they're kind of in, they're also experiencing that. Uh, they've got over the hump in terms of uh, for a long time. It was can they win something? They have won it now, and I think we're we're doing that some of the pressure comes off and there's a bit of swagger about Inter. Um, and, you know, I think in that respect, it's quite similar to what happened at Juventus when Conte left, um, where all of a sudden the team um, uh, begins to play, um, I don't know, with, with, with that little bit more Spencer Tetsa, you know, that more, free, that more freedom. They're just, they're just, they're just, they've done what everyone was kind of projecting onto them. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's that that's 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 all good. Um, with with Milan, I, I think yeah, they are run in a different different way um, to to Inter. I think that's it's one of the right reasons why this kind of rivalry is 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 so interesting at the moment because yeah, I think um, Milan would rather keep their powder dry and wait, even when I think people sort of project. Um, okay, they've got issues at centre back. They absolutely have to go in at the centre back. But for me, then, if it's not the right centre back, then they will wait until they get the right centre back. Um, I also don't think Milan went into this season with aspirations of winning the league. I think yeah, they, they would. Yeah, they wanted to see if they could do it, but I don't think it was a uh, a cast iron number one objective. I think you know, if if the club can get back into the Champions League again, yeah, that is the absolute absolute priority and. Um, you know, of course, with Juventus uh, having the transfer window that they've just had, you know, it puts a lot of pressure on Napoli, Milan, and Atalanta um, to to kind of keep Juventus at bay, and and, and that means that all the, you know, Milan need to get all the points they can in games like this weekend. That's that's a, that's a really good point. Personally, I think this Juve more and more, and I, I I said it on 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 my other podcast, Italian football podcast, in in September October when Ari Arriva Ben and Kerobin took over that this Juve is starting to look like the old Juve that we last saw under Fabio Capello in every aspect of the word. I mean, in terms of the way they play, in terms in terms of the kind of players they've got, in terms of the kind of makeup of the squad. The attitude, the behavior, the old old school Juve. Um, the, the, you know, this 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 was this is a mercato da Juve for the first time in five six years since Marotta was there, pretty much. And and I'm looking at Allegri, you know, with his four four two and the number of you know the players he's got out, the winger, you know, the ne- the Nedved type winger in Chiesa who's injured, the the promising uh, striker, young striker with with the Balkan name in Vlaovic. Back then it was Ibrahimovic. The number 10 veteran captain, Dybala, Del Piero, who's a little bit, you know, may, might be coming down a little bit. And then you look at that midfield and he's, he's looking for the physical, the physicality, but also, you know, ingenious. He wants that kind of, you know, he wants Locatelli to create. Um, now, I see a lot of uh, parallels between um, that Juve, Capello's Juve and Allegri's Juve. And can you hear what your thoughts on that, on that are? 
<laughs> I think it's uh, continuity, um, uh, or at least it's, it's getting back to to what they were pre Ronaldo, um, when they kind of you know went head over heels in love with 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 Cristiano, um, and you know they they became a team that played for Cristiano rather than a team that played for Juventus, um, and I, I think that's because yeah the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. I, I think you know Kelvini. Um, you know, has worked with Palazzi for 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 a long, long time. It's worked with Juventus for a long, long time, uh, and I think shared in some of the past uh, decisions. Um, and uh, we know what Allegri wants, which is you know Allegri. Um, uh, he believes that this is a team that has a lot of players who are um, who have the skill set to play on the transition. He's always um, uh, valued physicality. Um, but you can see that in the way uh, Juventus constructed some of their other midfields. I mean, um, you know, sort of Kadira, Matuidi. Um, you know, I, th- I think <laughs> even even the, the acquisition of Ramsey on a free transfer, but yeah, that was done on the basis that oh, he's a Premier League player used to playing high tempo, box to box. We just didn't bother to look at his injury record before we signed him. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, I mean the the, the criticism of uh, of Juve over the last few years has been has been all uh, directed towards the midfield, um, it not having enough finesse, enough skill. And I think even Locatelli, uh, I think Locatelli is, is is a player who is not necessarily misunderstood, but you know he is a great uh, screen for the defence. He's a great tackler and reads the game very well, um, and uh, is is someone who can do both phases in, in a way that I think gets played down. Um, the bit that gets played up is, is oh, he was in a Dezerbi team. Um, you know, he uh, he must be some kind of skillful playmaker. And yeah, he has got some attributes like that. Um, but he's a, I think he's a very well-rounded um, mm. midfield player. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens. I think, um, you know, Juventus are a club that wants... Um, the expectation of, of being a, a title contender, that's obviously not where they are right now. But I think with, if they'd started the season with this team, you know, maybe would maybe the, the title race would be closer. Um, but at the same time, going into the second half of the season, I don't know whether um, this team will instantly click. I don't know whether um, they will all of a sudden start creating more chances um, for Vlajevic, um, because creating chances has been difficult for them either because of uh, the way Allegri has set them up, um, or Dybala being in and out of the team, um, you know, Chiesa um, also being out injured. Um, I mean, uh, Denis Zakaria is, is someone who you know can play box to box. I think it does fit that kind of Allegri ideal of you know sort of a player who can maybe tip in from midfield with a few goals, but also has that um, that athleticism um, that he, he wants. Um, and, you know, we're, we're going to have to see if, if uh, you know, I, I think Vlajevic is, is, is the real deal, but, um, you know, will he hit the ground uh, running? Um, so I think there are still, still a few question marks um, about Juventus. I think in the mid to long term, they're, they're going about, assembling this team uh in the in the right way um but yeah i mean anyone who watched juventus milan 
um, before this this, um, this mini international break, um, you know, would be uh, kind of discouraged uh, and, and, and kind of persuaded by the urgency to actually intervene and, and, and sign players who can who can maybe get the team four goals, which I suppose probably brings us on to Milan, given they weren't much better uh, in in that game, and I think. Certainly internally, I think that was, I wouldn't say alarm bells were ringing because I think they're, they're already aware that the team uh, hasn't been uh, creating as well as it did at the start of the season, in part because like Brahim Diaz has, has faded. You know, he started really, really well um, and hasn't really been able to, to sustain that. Um, and so, you know, as much as I think the media were projecting the need for them to sign a centre-back and um, that, that was the number one priority. I think internally they were looking for a number, a number seven or a number ten, someone who could, who could help spark um, that, that attack back into life. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Mo. Mo, did you have a question for James? The floor is yours. Yeah, hi James. Um, uh, quick question. Um, so assuming Inter do uh, win or at least not lose a derby, and Gosens uh, recovers in time um, to make the Champions League fixture. Um, seeing how far Mane and Salah have, are progressing in their respective uh, Afghan um, campaigns, what what percent uh, or what percent chance do you give Inter of uh, progressing through the tie against Liverpool in the Champions League? Like <laughs> right now. <laughs> oh, wow, what a question. Um, I, I, I don't want to give a percentage, um, but I, I think uh, of, the, of the four Italian teams in Europe, uh, or that started the, the Champions League, like the, the team that I'd now be most confident about uh, of, of putting in a competitive performance against the top Premier League side is Inter. Um, and I think that's that's for a, a few reasons. I think... Um, I, I actually think that this, this team has acquired a, a reasonable um, amount of European experience. Um, you know, after listening to Conte in year one, kind of saying ah, this this team, yeah, it's not used to playing Champions League, and if it is, it's because it's not they're not getting out the group stage. And yeah, they uh, they reached the Europa League final. I know people like always kind of laugh at that and go, oh, Europa League final, and they lost it. So, you know, it doesn't mean anything. But I think for players, it really does mean something. It meant a lot can... for me watching Banega make fun of Conte's wig. I, I love that. <laughs> I think everyone loved that. I, I don't Classic. So hard. It's, it's, it's become one of the most iconic images I've ever seen. And, I, and, I, and he was Inter's coach. I think Inter fans were giggling, dying with laughter when they saw that. <laughs> yeah. Um... But uh, in all seriousness, I, I do think um, uh, for players to, to kind of tell themselves that oh, we can go the distance in a European competition um, is meaningful. And, and to be honest, if you, look at, if you look at some of the Europa League playoff games that, we, that are coming up uh, this February, I mean, uh, yeah, some of those games are not uh, out of character in the Champions League. You know, Barcelona and Napoli, for example. You know, I mean, I would say that, yeah, Shakhtar, Inter... Um, is, is a Champions League game. Yeah, uh, uh, an Inter Sevilla is a Champions League game. You know, unfortunately, after taking the lead, they lost that game. But I, I do think the, t- the team is better for that experience. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and now, I, I kind of, I, 
I, I feel this style of play that they, they have is, is more conducive because you know they are they're not a uh, right let's go out hell for leather um, see where we are uh, then get to an hour fade play a low block um, invite loads of pressure and uh, and then ultimately concede and maybe lose which you know, kind of happened against Dortmund and Barcelona. In, in in recent memory, um, I think now this is a team that plays higher up the pitch, is more comfortable uh, in possession. Um, certainly, it feels like uh, Brozovic's influence is even more pronounced than it was before. Um, and uh, I think Jekyll, you know, as much as there are games, um, for example, like the, the the Shakhtar game early in the season or the Atalanta game in Bergamo, where it, it, <laughs> He, he doesn't even hit the target and he has maybe five or six opportunities. Um, I think he actually is, is very good in games like uh, games like these in the Champions League because I think he's better able than, uh, than a lot of strikers to play between the lines, um, to sustain pressure high up the pitch. And I think you, you, you kind of need that uh, against top sides. Um, but Liverpool can beat you in every way. You know, I mean... <laughs> It's um, it's it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky one, but I I kind of feel that Inter might pleasantly surprise non-Inter fans and non-Serie fans. You know what I mean? In terms of um, it'll be a more competitive game than people are expecting, and Inter will kind of propose a brand of football that I think some some people will be surprised by. Uh, Rahul, did you have a question for James? Hey James, um, I'm going to actually ask the same question I asked last week to Owen because I feel like you ask this question to 10 different people and you get 10 different answers. Um, who is your surprise player of the season and why is it Antonio Candreva? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Uh, I mean, there are a few Italy players. Um, I mean, Davide Fratesi is, is, is one. Um, from the start of the season, uh, you know, also um, you know, seeing some of the Empoli players like Berami, um, also uh, Ricci. Um, you know, I've, I've enjoyed watching watching those guys. Um, uh, I also think, you know, like <laughs> there are some players like it, uh, uh, who I, I enjoy kind of watching develop. I think Pobega is is is, is again sort of one of those who I think is in a yeah it's going to be really interesting to see him and Ricci playing together in that uh, in that t- Torino midfield it probably will only last for four months because I imagine Pobega will go back to Milan when uh, when when Kessie leaves um, and uh, I, I mean I've been surprised by Buzio uh, uh, Venezia as well I mean again like players like Brozovic are, are really hard to find and um and players like Ricci are hard to find, uh, and, and Buzio, like for for the guys, it's his first year in Serie A, you know, coming over from playing MLS. Um, I've been, you know, sort of quietly in, impressed by what he's what he's done um, uh, so far. So, so yeah, I suppose those are those are a few a few names. Um, nice one, um, Jake. Did you have a question for James? Then the floor is yours. I certainly did. Hi, James. Uh, I just wanted to use this opportunity uh, to ask you a bit more of a sort of general question. Uh, I spent a lot of the first lockdown listening to the podcast that you do with uh, 
James Richardson and Gab Marcotti. So I'm really interested to hear how you got into Italian football in the first place. What sort of pricked your interest? Is there any sort of particular moments or uh, did you just fall in love with it similar to, similar to, to sort of how I did really? Uh, yeah, good question, uh, Jake. Um, I, uh, yeah, I grew up watching uh, James uh, on, on, on TV on, uh, on a Saturday morning. Uh, kind of his his show used to coincide with when I used to get out of bed, uh, and uh, and I put it on, and it was just a, it was pure escapism, you know, sort of. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't presented in the way other football shows were, you know, at that time in in in, in the UK, as, as you know, like you know, sort of. Um, first division football, Premier League football had been taken onto Sky, and so the only kind of the football you had more access to was was, was Serie A, which was a better product. It looked better. There were better players. Um, and, uh, yeah, I kind of fell in love with that. And then, I suppose, 1994 World Cup, um, um, yeah, England didn't qualify. Um, and I remember the first kind of you know, headline-breaking news story about that tournament was was that yeah, the Republic of Ireland had shocked Italy and upset them, you know, sort of, and with that Ray Houghton goal. And um, uh, I just found the whole, the narrative arc of that uh, Italy uh, World Cup campaign was just, uh, just fascinating for, for, for so many reasons. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, yeah, I mean, I, I remember like, you know, watching uh, that Djokaev goal against Roma, the, the 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 kind of improbable scissor kick from a ridiculous height. I remember watching. I, I remember exactly where I was when I was watching that. I was I was sat at my grandparents, <laughs> um, and um, uh, yeah. So so yeah, lots of moment, lots of moments like that. Um, and then uh, it, 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 you know, it was all. It, I used to go to an Italian restaurant where I lived, and there was. Um, there was a, a scout from Manchester United used to go into there. And we, he would always ask me about Serie A. He indulged me. And I used to just talk about it and pretend I knew what I was talking about, which I still do. Um, so, <laughs> that's um, fantastic. So, yeah, that's, that's it. Oh, dear. <laughs> that's, um, uh, that's a great story. Um, I wanted to, um, uh, just, just before we let you go, um, I mean, based on the Mercato and everything that's happened, in this Mercato, um, who do, do I mean? I can't remember who you predicted was going to win the Serie A, um, but do you? I mean, I, I I had Inter winning, and I and I still do have Inter winning, um, and I, I have Napoli finishing finishing second, uh, Juve third, and Milan fourth, and Atalanta just finishing out. What what is your top five? Do you what's your <laughs> revised top five? Uh, Roma are in it. Um, that's, uh, no, they're that's, not. That's... Much to your, much to your annoyance, I can imagine in here. But I, I do believe in Mourinho's project. I think I believe in it a little bit more than you do, because I, because you seem, you seem a little bit skeptical and think you should have, you know, they should have done more. I, I think this is exactly what you can expect from that squad, and that, and, and where they are, given the mess that was left from the previous uh, era, uh, from, from the previous era, the coaching wise as well as Palotta wise. Um, but no, I, I think I think they're I, ha, I have them finishing sixth, um, and then yeah, that, that's where I have them. Where, where are you? What's your top six, top seven? Uh, I mean, so yeah, Inter will win it. Um, you know, I, I thought they would be better than they were, but I think I picked Juventus at the start of the season, um, uh, and I'm happy to kind of own up to that. Um, 
Napoli have a manager who um, has been asked over and over and over again to get teams into the Champions League, and he does it. Um, you know, uh, I would have loved to have seen Spalletti win the Scudetto this year, given how well they started. I also think he's kind of a much better coach um, than, than than people think. I think he's had a, a kind of quite profound influence on on the Italian game. Um, but it's Napoli, and uh, uh, they always strike me as that you know that they're a team that on their day play the best football in Italy. You know, I think um, uh, the, the, the best performance that I've seen um, from from Italian sides so far this season was was Napoli against Lazio. Um, yeah, they were they're absolutely outstanding in that game. Um, but you know, there's something kind of flaky about Napoli in in that I. I you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure they will finish second, um, and you know, they're never they're never too far away from a run which could could leave them outside the top four. Um, Milan, uh, I think Milan have got a culture about that club now, um, which you know they, they rarely go on. Uh, they, yeah, they, they they rarely lose back to back games. Um, they. They are in a sticky period at the moment. Uh, I think this break will have done them good, um, even though they haven't kind of added um, in the way that uh, Inter and Juventus have. Um, the team that I'm kind of most curious about really is Atalanta, because Atalanta, um, they, yeah, they haven't been as explosive uh, this season, um, aren't scoring as many goals. Um, you know, the, Bordiel, for example, I think has been a disappointment um, yeah, this season. Um, and, um, you know, Ilicic, um, you know, I hope he gets well soon, but he's you know, on compassionate leave. Um, Boga, um, I think Boga could be an absolutely fantastic signing for, um, for, for Gasparini, for Atalanta, and he's one of those kind of mercurial talents who may all of a sudden find um, consistency there. Um, but... I think losing Gosens, as much as Petzela has done well in the last two, two and a half months, I think Gosens, you know, was one of the most decisive players, not only at Lance, but in, in Serie A. You know, I think a lot of teams looked at that and thought, wow, OK, we, we're going to have to defend our far post. We're going to have to defend Gosens, we, you know, because yeah, the number of goals he scored over the last three years has been, you know, as good as anyone in Europe's top five leagues and in his position. Um, so... Look, Atlanta tend to finish the second half of the season, you know, very, very strongly. But I do, I do wonder, is this the year where they, they maybe miss out? Um, so, I don't know. Uh, it's tricky. Uh, I'd say Inter. I mean, Juve have got how many points to make up to to to, to, to get into the get to second? I don't know what that's sort of. It's 49 versus 42. You know, I, I wouldn't rule out Juventus finishing second. Um, and then I think it'll be Napoli-Milan. So I think into Juventus, Napoli-Milan. Um, Atalanta, Malincuore, as they say. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then I'm really curious to see what... I mean, I, with Roma, um, I think the squad is better than it's showing. Um you know, ultimately, yeah, the, the club decided to to get rid of Checo. Uh, club decided to get rid of Pedro. Uh, club decided to 
let Florenzi be a backup uh, for Milan rather than a backup for Karlsdorp. Um And, uh, you know, I think Oliveira's made a very good impact since he's come in um, from uh, in January. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this team has so many ups and downs. Um, uh, you know, I was expecting the team to defend a lot better than it has. Um, over the course of the, the entire season, uh, I perhaps wasn't expecting it to you know, be as kind of fun um, to watch from an attacking point of view, but that fun is kind of mitigated by the frustration of, of, of the fact that yeah, it's it's not a team that defends particularly well. And I think that's just a, I, I tend to think that's just something you should expect of a Mourinho side, not a, not a defensive team, but a team that defends well. Mm, that's um, true. That's fair. That's fair. And, um, and yeah, I think those are two, two pointers on which, you know, he was, he was hired to do better at, which is to, to make the team defend better um, and to do better in the big games. And um, yeah, I think as much as people, you know, may kind of say they've done quite well in some of those big games and not got the result. Yeah, Fonseca did get that benefit of the doubt. Um, you know, good performances and bad results in big games were forgotten quicker than um, good performances and bad results in big games uh, under Mourinho. And I think, frankly, the 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 worst for the worst for me wasn't so much the the Bodo Glimt game; it was the the Milan game um, <laughs> at the uh, at the start of this year, where you know Milan had. Um, you know, sort of Kalulu and Gabi at the back. Um, yeah, Kessie wasn't playing. Krunic was in midfield. Um, you know, they they had uh, yeah ample opportunity. Well, I felt to to win that game, um, and yeah, they lost three one, and they were appalling. Um, and I I just think Fonseca would have been absolutely slaughtered um, um, for that. And um, and instead, you know, it's it's a squad that just as you know, just as um, you know, Inzaghi lost Hakimi Eriksson uh, and Lukaku, yeah, big big players, um, and has been able to kind of um, kick into Ron. Um, you know, Roma lost Jekyll, Pedro. Um, yeah, Flensey was already on loan last year, so it's not it's not an equivalent. But the rest of that squad was there, and it's had. Uh, quite a lot of money spent on it, mm. and it reached the Europa League semi-final last year, um, and was in the top four at this stage last year. So I, I don't think it's good enough, um, really. Um, and you know, as much as he's been given a three-year contract, and you um, uh, should be patient, and you know, I, I, I would be patient, but I just, I just think um, uh, if you're judging this, if you're judging the manager. Um, the performances rather than judging the name, you know, I mean, if if, if it was Fonseca in this position, you know, they would be calling for him to be sacked <laughs> already. And, um, you know, this three-year deal, you know, it wasn't to get Roma back into the top four in year three. It was to get back into the top four in year one um, and then see see where you are, see if you can win things. Um, and, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, they might win. They, they might win the the Coppa Italia, but then again, who are they playing in the next round? Yeah, that's it. They're playing Inter at the San Siro, and and I, 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 I look at that game like this: that if Inter win that game, I think they're going to win the Coppa Italia. Uh, but if they don't, mm. 
then 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 Roma will will go to the final uh, for all the way. I, I'm actually with you on that. But to be honest, I mean, I don't know. I I think Mourinho, for him, um, it's uh, he's not the same Mourinho that he was like nine ten years ago. I mean, I was really taken aback by his comment about how when I was here ten years ago. Football was completely different. You can't defend yourself anymore. You can't just defend anymore. You have to play attacking. You have to do. You have to be more progressive and blah blah blah. And it felt felt a little bit at times that excuse me, he was um, he was almost this. That he was searching for an identity, which I think that he's found. And with Sergio Oliveira, it gives him more of a balance. Um, and 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 I I think it's it's only go- I I think Roma are going to have a decent campaign and finish fifth sixth something like that, which is kind of what you can expect from this, given the competition of the other teams ahead of them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I just think Fiorentina are better coached. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a team that's got, that's a team that's got uh, talent, um, but I think is, is, has been performing greater than some of its parts. Um, you know, whether Piontek, whether uh, Cabral in particular can kind of uh, pick up the slack that Vlaivich needs, um, you know, remains to be seen. But, um, I mean, if you, if you look at that front three, it's actually pretty interesting uh, with Nico mm. Gonzalez, Cabral and um, uh, Andy Corne or whatever. You know, they've got lots yeah. of options there. Yeah. Um, but, um, mm. yeah, with, with, uh, with yeah, I've been impressed by Oliveira more so than Maitland-Niles. Um, yeah, I think Maitland-Niles, you know, cast off fit and healthy and, and rested. He he will continue to play on the right hand side, and then it's a case of you know when does Spinazzola return? Um, but um, you know as much as you know people would say ah Jose has been without Leonardo Spinazzola all season, Fonseca was out without Nicolas and Ola for the best part of you know I'd say all but six months mm. of his 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 time there. So um, so we we will see. I think it's mm. you know, the, the great thing is is that it's. Behind Inter, it's actually very difficult to um, to put these teams in exact to know exactly where these teams are going to finish, and I think yeah. that's that's a really good thing that Serie has and other leagues apart from the Premier League don't have. I hope I hope they win the the Conference League. It would be pretty cool for him to win the oh you know the inaugural Conference League, and then he will kind of won all the three European competitions. Um, before we let you go, can you just give us a quick? Um, Derby, derby prediction. <laughs> um, I think Inter will win three-one. Uh, I, from your mouth to God's ears, James Horncastle. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think will That's... score? Um, I'm hoping for Chalanoglu hat trick then. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, Caicedo off the bench, uh, two goals in stoppage time. Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's fantastic at that. It'd be very interesting, uh, you know, to get a penalty again. <laughs> and it's not Chalino who wins it, who takes it, you know. Is, 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 no, is it, he is, has is, to is take it. Um, um, I mean, I, 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 Rahul makes fun of me for, for calling me like a Brexiteer because I hate, because he, he labels the Brexit penalties, the ones that I like. I like I like <laughs> penalties in the top corner. And I, I like players to put the laces through it, not fluff it like Lautaro does. And he, he calls it a Brexit penalty. <laughs> but I don't care because I, 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 that's the kind of penalty I like. And he did, he took his last penalty was one of them. So he can take it as long as he does that because these fluffy hop and a skip Jorginho, it drives me mad. 
and it's just such a waste because we I mean the statistics show high in in, in if you know the statistics the statistics statistics are very clear that the higher and harder you hit it in the corners the the ball always goes in um so there's no need for this you know double your money hop and a skip and blah 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 just just you know hit it hard into the core top corner <laughs> go full brexit <laughs> the double brexit penalty thank you for coming on and if people want to find you uh it's on twitter at james horncastle or or is or is that or is it just horncastle can't remember no it's it's at james horncastle so you can find me on twitter um and yeah have you got anything coming out because you always do uh have you got anything else but coming out this week that you want to plug then feel free uh yeah i've got a aaron hickey interview um nice. which which should be coming out um, also spoken to a guy called Antonio Gagliardi, who worked for a long time at the Italian Football Federation, who was on Mancini's staff and Pirlo's staff um, uh, last year. Uh, and then I've got a few other um, little projects that I'm kind of uh, building on with Spezia Venezia. So, oh, um, nice. So, yeah. Nice. Looking yeah. forward to it. Thank you so much for coming on and hope your prediction is right. <laughs> Pleasure. Pleasure. Cheers, Take guys. Care. Take care. Bye. Nice talking to you all. Thank nice you. talking to you as Bye. always. Right. Um, let's uh, let's do our own derby predictions then. Just quickly going to go around the table. Um, starting with you, Mo. What do you think? What's your prediction? Um, who do you, who's going to score? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, this one for me. Uh, like, um, I'd uh, ordinarily be uh, very optimistic. But I don't know. I don't know. I have a I have a bit of a uneasy feeling about this. I just, um, yeah, I... I Seeing that this is uh, this is uh, our game, um, I, I hope uh, we do not uh, concede. Uh, first and foremost, that the, if it ever comes down to the head-to-head between the two sides, but I think I reckon maybe Inter will will it'll be an ugly uh, one-nil for Inter. Um, let's hope for a Chalanoglu goal as well, like you said earlier. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game. I think Milan realized that this is their, uh, you know, their last hurrah. If they lose this here, then the season's practically over for them in terms of like any sort of uh, meaningful contribution in the league beyond the top four finish. So I think it's going to be a, they have much, much more to fight to lose in this match than we do. So I think it's going to be quite tough. But I think ultimately, or I hope ultimately, uh, Inter win and you know what's sweeter win than like a Chalanoglu uh, screamer in the 80th minute? Or I'm I'm exactly the same way. I'm really really nervous about this, um, and I um, I can see one one draw or even into losing this unfairly, having lots of pretty much all season creating lots of chances, having lots of the ball and not being able to convert, and and Ibrahimovic stealing a goal, and and then we you know so no I I I have I don't have a good feeling about this at all. I hope that we go out there and, and dominate and completely blow them off the pitch uh, like we did in the first derby, which we should have won 4-5-0 if, if Lautaro could score and, and Dzeko as well. Um, but um, no, I, I, I don't have a good feeling at all. I, I mm, 1-1, I'm going to say. Uh, I think uh, Lautaro will score one and Ibrahimovic will score one. What about you, Raul? Yeah... Even though, as you guys said, even though we're like supposed to be favourites, overwhelming favourites now, I mean, 
Tomori's still out for them. Kier's out for them. Zlatan's still out, right? Yeah, but he's gonna stringe le denti, as they call it. Yeah. Stringe le denti, and he's gonna he's gonna do it, which I think is a huge mistake for them because they need him further down the season, further down in the league, and not against mm. Inter. They can afford to lose against Inter and still finish in the top four, but they can't afford to not have Ibrahimovic and be forced to play Olivier Giroud because he's <laughs> dreadful. So uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we should we should be winning, but I don't know. Purely in his voodoo, he's gonna put Krunic or Kessie to man Mark Brozovic out of the game or something like that. Um, nah, go on. I'll go for the I'll go for the win. Two one win for Inter. Um, Lautaro makes up for his penalty miss and mm. Barella. Ooh, nice. What about you, Jake? Where are you? To be honest, I hate it when I get the last slot here because you know, <laughs> I have an initial sort of opinion. Well, tell you mind. what, next week, next week, I'll ask you both times, or next time you're on, if you can't, if you can't, if you can be on next week, it'll be next week. But next time you're on, I'll ask you first. Is that okay? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Simple. And next week is two games we've got to predict because it's Roma and Napoli, so you get to go first twice. Oh, See? Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. But uh, no, honestly. I have this idea in my mind, and I listen to everybody else speak, and I, I kind of change my mind a little bit. Um, if Mo's not positive, then that really worries me. Um, because <laughs> I was, I was the canary in the coal mine, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he always makes me feel a bit better about things. Because I'll admit, I, I can be a bit of a pessimist sometimes, but uh, it's it's really hard. I think when I look at Milan's team, they're, they're such a great some of their parts, and you know they have got a couple of players missing. There is Pioli Voodoo. As uh, it's just been mentioned, he sort of comes up with some randomness. So that concerns me. And the fact that Inter have been a little bit more lacklustre since the Christmas break. That, you know, that was always going to happen when you consider how on fire they were before Christmas. But um, in the time that I've watched Inter really closely, sort of the last five or six years, it's, it's been that every single derby game they've pretty much turned up for, uh, including the ones that I've been to. So, um, yeah, I, I think Inter will win the game. I think they'll. They'll be really positive. Um, I, I don't think Milan can worry Inter as much as Inter. Uh, Milan will be worried about Inter, so to speak. I think Inter have got a higher ceiling to their performance level. So uh, I'm going to go with three-one to Inter. I'm going to agree with James. Nice. Well, I hope I hope I hope James is right. I hope myself and Mo are wrong. I hope Rahul is right or whoever's right. As long as Inter win. Um, let's talk about the Mercato because it has been. I mean, it started off, I had zero expectations. I mean, going into this, you guys know, um, and, and I, I really didn't, <clears throat> I was hoping that maybe we'd get a backup striker for, for Dzeko. And then out of the blue, um, he's, Marotta signs Beppe, signs Robin, Robin Gulsens, who, when fit and when in form, is, in my opinion, the best left wing back in the world, without a doubt. Uh, his stats are in term for for attacking. His attacking stats are right up there with the best strikers in Europe. It's insane that Inter managed to pull this off. So <clears throat> I was, <clears throat> excuse me. So I was thinking we do the old Italian rating one to ten, um, and 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 for and, and then you can say why. I'm going to go first, and I'm I'm going to give Inter a nine because I think Gorsens for that price, 22, 22, 25 million plus three million in add-ons. Um, and getting a replacement and a backup for Jekyll, which was the most important for me. And I'm not, I actually think Caicedo is a decent signing because he he's an Inzaghi player. He knows Inzaghi inside out. He knows what Inzaghi wants. He's played for him for four and a half years as a backup player. Um, and he is a big, strong physical presence. 
I mean, he's he's known for his late, you know, goals at the death. Um, and and I think he will do exactly that. He will provide the cover that Inter don't have. I'm sorry to see. I would have given it a 10 uh, because uh, if if they'd kept Stefano Sensi, because I still think that there is a role for him to play. Um, but him, you know, that 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 kind of ruins it for me. And 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 also the fact that they um, they were unable to to maybe to to sell. Uh, some of these, uh, you know, to, to raise more revenue, I, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but the, you know, Brozovic extension, which looks all but done. The uh, Marotta, Antonello, uh, uh, Auxilio, Bacin extensions, which are done. You know, have to give it a nine overall. Um, so w- w- what about you, Raul? What's your what's your uh, rating and what's your and why? Yeah, um kind of similar I gave it an 8 out of 10 personally I think for me as you said um, we addressed the situation that needs to be addressed we got that backup striker Caicedo 800k net wage I think we're paying him free dry six month loan so no commitment just you know does what it says on the tin hopefully comes up clutch with a couple of goals my expectations for him are very low Um, yeah Gosens as you said one of the best in the in the league in Europe in his position um, long term answer to Perisic as well depending on what happens with him Sensi um, yeah I disagree with you on that one I felt like he just needed to go out and play even though it probably does leave us a bit short in midfield uh, with six guys but I think we have to recover the guy as a footballer as well um, he's just not played football mm, but Brozovic is that that situation seems to be dragged? I know it's pretty much done, but it would have been nice that if it was wrapped up, so it would have been counted as part of like you know this uh, mercato type thing. So it would have been <laughs> that would have been ten out of ten if it was announced. I hope it's announced before the derby. That that would be perfect. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And Onana, on the day guess, of on the day of the derby, even. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be perfect. And Onan, I guess I'm counting that as well as part of this. Um, yeah. This yeah. window as well. So yeah, really, really good. Um, Transfer window eight out of ten for me. What about you, Mo? What rating do you give it? Yeah, I think uh, all the reasoning is uh, is uh, there. I agree with both Rahul and yourself, uh, Nima. I think it's a very strong Mercato, particularly since that Gosens thing, like we all said, you know, came out of the blue, uh, and it's a pretty damn good signing. My my knock isn't the sensi. Again, like uh, Rahul said, you know, it's not the, the Sensi uh, uh, departure. I think it's ultimately better for the player and subsequently for Inter. But I think, like you said, Nima, it's the failure to generate revenue. You know, all these uh, all these uh, not so useful uh, players on the squad. Uh, it's the, it's getting to be quite bloated. So maybe this is why I knock it down to an eight, eight and a half, rather than uh, your strong nine. Fair enough. <clears throat> what about you, Jake? <clears throat> where, where are you on this? Uh, I think you've already mentioned the biggest sort of positive in uh, keeping Marotta and some of the key uh, members of the transfer sort of committee and uh, key figures off the pitch. I think that's massively important. The club seems to look a bit as if it's got some sort of idea what it's doing, um, especially um, in, in a more future sort of sense now as well. Uh, I think the signings that are made are actually clever and calculated. Not always been the case. Uh, um, Inter Milan is, you know, we know. So I think that's the most pleasing thing. Um, I tweeted out the other day. I was really happy with the idea of signing Robin Gosens. I thought in the summer, 
before Lukaku left, you were looking at the left-hand side, and I know Perisic's improved quite a lot since he's returned from Bayern Munich, but I would have gone with Robin Gosens as being the one player that I would have signed in the summer to complement that team. So on a deal that they've signed him on, like they have, 22-25, as you say, with adults, is absolutely fantastic business. And I really like Felipe Caicedo. I think players like him are, are really interesting to have in your squad. He's someone that Inter didn't really have a player they could chuck on as an alternative to Jekyll, a bit more of a taller striker. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of no loss, really. Six months, he could come on. And knowing him, I think he'll score three or four key goals. You know, in a win at Genoa or uh, in the Coppa Italia, things like that. I think if overall I would give it sort of around an eight, I'd have liked to have seen a couple of midfielders maybe leave. Matthias Vecino probably um, out the door if possible, but it's not it's not that simple, I suppose. So, yeah. And he's I, only got, got a few months left on his contract. He's been there for quite a while. I think it was one of those things where they, you know, said let's ride this season out with Vidal and Vecino, and Kolarov is about to hang up his boots and, and terminate his contract and. And, you know, then you've got Ranocchi and D'Ambrosio. Are you going to extend them? Are you going to let them go? What are you going to do there? And and then I, I actually am of the opinion that I think that Dzeko will leave Inter in the summer. I don't know why. I've just got that feeling. Um, I think I think, I think think he's going to leave. Uh, Schematic related or? No, I think ir- irrespective of that, I think he's going to leave. Um, I think he's reached a point in his career where now he's he'll if he wins, he, he, if he wins the Scudetto and the Coppa Italia, he will have won everything in Italy, literally everything. And one big payday in the Middle East before hanging up his boots is is what I would think. Something like that would 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 some would be something he likes to do, um, because he's been he's done everything you can ask of him at Inter. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling I have. But Skamaka is. I mean, we should you know we all know everyone's kind of reporting it that our dear friend Beppe Marotta has wrapped up that signing. And one thing we should understand about that is people are all fire about Skamaka now. Beppe Marotta's greatness is his ability to read things before they happen. He last summer before Skamaka exploded as he has this season, he, he started building that relationship. In fact, uh, when Inter sold Lukaku, they wanted to, his, he, he, he went after Skamaka first uh, to, 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 to sign him then, but Sassolo said no. So Skamaka has for all intents and purposes signed, uh, chosen Inter now it's up for Inter to just kind of agree with Sassuolo. And based on what their CEO, Carnavali, said today, Fratesi and um, and Scamacca seem to be, they seem to be headed towards Inter. That, that's that's what we can say. And uh, and that, that's a fantastic thing. I mean, Bremer, my perfect Mercato in the summer, I mean, and that's what Marotta's working towards, is to wrap up all these signings before the June transfer even begin, June um, transfer window even begins. Bremer, Fratesi and Scamacca, these are the ones that he wants to wrap up, have it done and assume before the season's over, which is extraordinary, really, um, if he manages to do that. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, things are looking really good right now. And and I think we're going to have an absolutely thrilling city because I expect a lot to happen in the summer for all clubs. But moving forward, I think Milan are going to do quite a bit of business in the summer. I think, uh, and get stronger. And then next Serie A, a Milan, Juve and Inter that are strong, stronger and, and, and going at each other's throats. That's when the Serie A is at its best um, and Italian football is at its best. So brighter days are ahead uh, for sure, at least as things stand right now for the Serie A. Right, um, 
let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity, which we presented by Mr. This Week's Morati, which we presented by Mr. Mohammed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this quality. Uh, I mean, we just uh, spoke extensively. Uh, you uh, spoke extensively about uh, the wonders of this Mercato and uh, all the setup for the subsequent Mercato. So there's got to be, it can't be anyone but the MVP of Moratti since he's joined the Inter's uh, <laughs> management team. I, I, yeah, I mean, if there's a Hall of Fame, I think he's yeah. right up there with the most uh, Moratti's won. It's got to be yeah. the Marotta this week. Mm. No, it is. So, it's hard to say anything else. No, it's, yeah. it's hard to say anything else. I mean, yeah, really. the man yeah. is just unbelievable. He's so good. I mean, just compare him to every other club that's doing badly, like Paratici at Spurs or Edu at Arsenal, and then compare that to this man. Yeah. And how in control of every situation he is. I mean, it's not even an exaggeration that you pick him week after week because he would have, he deserves it. Yeah, unquestionably, unquestionably. Crazy. Right, let's move on to uh, something uh, a bit more uh, comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. Jake Smalley. E clamoroso, autogol di Ranocchia. Well, I've got a bit of a silly one for you this week, as always. Uh, I almost feel like uh, Timmy Mallet or something when you asked me to do these. They're just sort of <laughs> almost a bit of daft humour. But uh, I've been watching different combinations um, quite extensively. And perhaps the funniest moment for me, um, I, I maybe not mentioned this before on the pod, but I've worked at Manchester United before. And just right at the start of the time where I started working, they just signed Eric Bay. And on the first game that I covered for the club, He's given man of the match away at Bournemouth. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, loads of rave reviews for him. But he's turned into a little bit of a meme. And I think that was he sort really of... Uh, <laughs> really that was really typified by uh, his performance in the quarterfinals during a penalty shootout against Egypt, where he decided in the height of all um, African Cup nations moments to deliver a no-look penalty, which he missed. Oh, uh, Nima's favourite. <laughs> oh my god! I, I know this, like, this take his citizenship away from him. Like, do you know? I'm like, oh, why would you do that? In the penalty shootout uh, against possibly the tournament favourites in Egypt as well, we've got more Salah in there, and it turned out that Egypt did beat them five four as well on penalties. So it literally did cost them their place in the tournament. So oh, <laughs> just watch it, Nima. You gotta have some balls for that, man. Maybe none, just idiocy. It's just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, we should acknowledge that Mo is Egyptian and, and congratulations, Mo. Uh, I, 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 the semi final against Cameroon is going to be fire. Yeah, it's going to be fire indeed. Um, 12 Afghans between the two teams, uh, Afghan titles won. Egypt the most, uh, record holders with seven, seven uh, tournaments won, and uh, Cameroon. Uh, trying to close the gap with five of their own. So it's going to be, it's going to be a big one. It's like, uh, yeah. That's the, the African, final, uh, isn't it? That's like the moral final, that game. Yeah. I mean, look, ordinarily it would be the final, but Cameroon is out of sorts. It, it's only very significant because it's being held in Cameroon. But mm. normally this Cameroon pales in comparison to, you know, pales in comparison to all the wonderful sides you've seen by the, by the Lions over the years, you know. Mm. But mm. we'll see. It's a big match. It's a very big game. 
fingers crossed. Absolutely. Um, Right, uh, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Modji, which will be presented by Mr. Rahul Sharma. You guys actually mentioned him just a little while ago, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Moji was known to be pulling these types of moves. It's uh, Paratici over at um, Spurs. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound like a salty Inter fan, but, but what is going on there? Like, there's got to be something. It's got to be investigated, man. Like, how is this guy buying Rodrigo Bentancur? For what, 25? No, no, million. 90 million plus 6 million in add ons. Oh, okay. Oh, well, now you're going to have the exact figures, aren't you? Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you like Bentancur. No, it's not, <laughs> it's not that I like. Look, I think they're good players, but. It wait, wait, is... let me finish. And Kulusevsky, which, you know, I like him and you, I, I like him yeah. mainly because you turned me on to him and you convinced me about him. But how has he retained the same exact value that what <laughs> Juve bought him for like season and a half ago? Like, He's basically paid for the Vlahovic transfer for Juve. Yep. I'm fuming. Well, to be honest, let's. I mean, given that he was an absolute disaster at Juventus and he was the worst sporting director in the history of, in the modern history of Juve, I guess, they, and they did pay him for, to do that job for quite, for quite a few years. <laughs> I guess he kind of didn't, you know, carried his weight finally. But yeah, it does look weird. And people are like, it's like... <laughs> You know, Juve fans get all offended uh, over everything. And it's like, well, if you were just to read up the facts to to someone who doesn't know anything, they'd be like, sorry, what was that? (laughs) The former sporting director of Juve is now at Spurs where he, after failing at Juve, and he's buying what? Like, (laughs) did you... I was surprised he didn't buy Rabia and Ramsey at him as well. (laughs) Oh, give him, give him time, give him time. <laughs> no, but seriously, it it is one of those things. It's just you, you laugh. It's like it's 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 like Juve's, Juve's corruptness and and thievy, like <laughs> their corruptness has become a meme. Like they, they've become a meme of themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's like even Juve fans are joking about it now <laughs> about how corrupt and criminal they are. Like you know what I mean? Like this is the level we're at, and it's like it's hard to take seriously. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, and, and the Nahita Hernandez thing, which didn't happen. But I mean, that was just to me pure comedy. I mean, Nahita Hernandez in, in the summer, Inter wanted him to, before he got Dumfries. And he pretty much went on a hunger strike. Cagliari <laughs> said, you have to play and you're not going anywhere. Six months pass. And as soon as Juve come, Giulini, the supposed Inter fan and big friend of Moratti, just bends over. The opens goes, his legs. Just opens his legs. And it's like, what, what is going on here? It's like, it's just, I mean, these people are, it's, I, I, was, I said it on my other podcast, on the Italian Football Podcast, that look, everything your racist cousin and aunt on Facebook thinks that the Rothschild family does, <laughs> the Agnelli family actually does. They they are like the original Bilderbergers. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just they are so corrupt. It's just unbelievable. And and it's just you go on and on and on through through the arm. It's just I mean WikiLeaks. I mean I think it was last winter when WikiLeaks released did did a dump, and one of them was like the 
the, the meetings of the first Bilderberg meeting in, in <laughs> Switzerland in 62 and Gianni Agnelli was there. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it's not even a joke. Like, oh, he was actually was. Kissinger, like Johan Elkan, sorry, Lapo Elkan, the, the crazy one, was, was sent to his first job was to intern for Henry Kissinger. Like, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, these people are just, oh, God, it's like, uh, it's not it's not me, it's them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> me pointing it out is not oh never mind. Right. Mo had to dash off. I'd like to thank him and also James Horncastle. I'd like to thank you, Raul, for coming on again. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me on. And if people want to find you, it's uh, at uh, R Sharms with two Z's on Twitter and also the Uncle Sharma channel on YouTube, right? Exactly that, yes. Thank you very much. And Mr. Jake Smalley. I'm just trying to make sure I'm composed and I'll stop laughing after that uh, tirade. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for me as always. <laughs> oh dear. Well, that's all we have time for this week. My name is Nima Tawali Rutsari, wishing you a good week. Stay healthy, listen to your health authorities. Uh, three points, a derby win. Sempre e solo, forza. Inter.